Welcome to the New Song Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message from Stephen about Jesus and how much he loves you. If we can serve you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out to us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok by searching New Song CS. If you've been impacted by this message, join those who so generously give so we can reach more people with the story of Jesus. Visit newsongcs.com slash give or text the word easy to 94000. Now sit back and enjoy this message. Jesus, we need you. We need you now. Lord, when you said the last days were going to be tough, you were not kidding. Lord, when I look at our presidential hopefuls, uh, boy, oh boy, Jesus, I don't see your name on a ballot. It's going to be hard. But Lord God, you are still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Father, we're not worried just even a little bit because, Father, we trust in you. But you do want us to be a light in this dark world. So Lord, may this word encourage us to be more like you, to walk like you, to talk like you, and to act like you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's children say it. I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to, I want to call it our first lady. Cynthia, come on up here, girl. For those of you that missed Valentine's Day, I can't even say a prayer for you. Sorry about that. You're just in big trouble. Cynthia, you're our first lady. And I wish I could say that inside this is a free trip to Hawaii for about three weeks all by yourself to just enjoy life. It's not, but there's a lot of love in it. Anna Faith and I want to say how much we love you as a first lady. You work mainly behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, and you love the people, and you love your family, and we just want to say thank you. So here's a little something. Would you stretch your hands forward as we pray for first lady? Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you've given us a first lady that not only ministers and serves, but she also loves. Lord, may her just increase, Lord God, all the things that she's praying for, just do Red Sea miracles in her life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, girl. God bless you. Well, my bride and I, Miss Anna Faith, we are doing very well. Somebody say amen. amen. We, uh, we went to 8 o'clock service today and uh, together, and she said, I've heard you preach before, so bye-bye. <laughs> so she's out of here. So she's gone. We, are, we just moved into our, um, our final home. I don't want to say final. We just moved into the home we should have moved in 20 years ago. 20 years ago, my wife said, honey, we're 45-ish, and one day we're going to be old. We don't need upstairs and downstairs, and I go, ah, I'm never going to be old. So now, 20 years later, we just now moved into our one main level house. It's about three blocks away from where we used to live, and she's very happy, and I'm very happy, and the Lord has blessed us. Today, the Lord has a word for you, but before I begin, I want to share this. There was an elderly gentleman about my age. He was driving his car, and while driving his car, he went smash, and he hit this young guy with a very expensive car. The young guy got out of the car and said, sir, you just hit my car, and you better give me $10,000 right now, or I'm going to beat you to a pulp. The older gentleman said, hey, 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 I don't have $10,000, but my son, he always helps me when I'm in trouble, and he trains dolphins. Let me give him a call. So he gave his son a call. He said, son, I've got this man. The man snatched the phone out of, his head, out of his hand. He said, hey, dolphin trainer, you better get over here right now because I'm about to beat your dad up, and I'm going to beat you up too unless you come with $10,000. The dolphin trainer said, I will be there in 10 minutes. Exactly 10 minutes later, the dolphin trainer got out of the car, 
beat the young man to a pulp, left him as a nothing laying on the side of the sidewalk. And the young trainer looked at his dad and he said, Dad, I don't train dolphins. I train seals, <laughs> Navy seals. Come on now. So I want to say to you, if you love this sermon, praise the Lord. If you don't love this sermon, Jeremy Watis is my dolphin trainer. See him. He'll put a hurting on you. Take care of me, son. You got my back, right? Got my back. Got my back. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Say these words with me. And you, this is the sermon outline. If you need one, lift up your hands. Usher hopefully will give you one. Say this with me. Do not be proven disobedient. Do not be proven disobedient. Paul was speaking to Agrippa, and he was reflecting over his entire life. And he said, in all the things that I did, I was not proven disobedient. Isn't that what you want to say at the end of your race? I think to say at the end of your race, somewhere in the beginning or the middle of your race, we need to make sure that we're obedient in every single way. I want to share with you a familiar story, and let's see if we can pull some truths out of this story in just a minute. But the first thing I want to ask you before we get started, go to that next slide, please. I got to ask this. Have you ever been wrong but really thought you were right? Think about it now. Whoever has never been wrong, you get to preach today because I'm sitting down. So, have you ever been wrong but really, really, really thought you were right? Yes? I mean, thought you were spot on. It's like there's no way possible that I could be wrong. I was in a church, youth pastor, just graduated from Life Bible College, and the number one thing you want after you graduate from Life Bible College is a job. Somebody say amen. You want somebody to hire you. My fellow graduates in 1988, some of them got churches of 20 or 30 people. Others had to pioneer their church. But as for me, I was a youth pastor at a church, and the, past, the senior pastor was retiring. And because he was retiring and I was youth pastor there for five years, the church council and the pastor said, we want Chappie and Anna Faith to be our next pastor. I said, come on, y'all, go ahead. Not really. Come on. You don't really mean little old me, do you? And I was getting all excited. The district supervisor says it's probably a shoe-in. You're probably just going to be the next pastor of this 250-people church. At 35 years old, I was feeling pretty good. Somebody say, lift up your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Feeling pretty good. 250 people, 35. He said, give me about a month to pray about it. He prayed about it. In the middle of his month, my wife said, Pastor Chappie, which she never calls me Pastor Chappie. She said, honey, I just had a dream. You're not going to pastor that church. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> she said, honey, the Lord just showed me in a dream. You're not going to get that church. And I said, but why? And she said, God didn't tell me why. He just told me you're not going to get it. Two weeks later, guess what the district supervisor said? District supervisor said, Chappie, I have no idea what God is doing, but he is not going to allow you to be the pastor of this church. I don't even know what it means, but God is speaking to my heart, the district supervisor said, that God has something bigger and better for you. And I said, but I don't want another bigger, better. I want to be pastor right here. That's what I want. What's the, pro what the problem is? He said, we're not going to do it. So they brought in the new pastor. 
an old gentleman about the age I am right now came to me and he said, Chappie, if you could do anything that you wanted to do in your whole life, what would you want to do? And I said, I want to be a military chaplain. He said, well, then why aren't you pursuing that? I said, because I want to be pastor of this church even, further, even more than that. He says, let's see what God has for you. Well, you know the rest of the story. Air Force chaplain, 20 years. My children got to travel to 13 different bases throughout all of their life. We got to see the world. Folks came to Christ. Great things happened. I knew that I knew that I was right, and I had God's will, but I was off by this much. Ever been off by that much before where you just missed it by just a lot? Sometimes we think, I think I'm almost positive, absolutely positive that I know what I want, what God wants from me, but sometimes I'm wrong. Next slide, please. What are some things I could be dead wrong about? Please hear this. I do not have an agenda. I'm just saying we could be dead wrong about some things. Could we be dead wrong about the political party that we're in? Could we be voting possibly this, this year for someone who we like versus what God likes? How many of you know we better pray before we vote this year? How many of you know we better pray before we vote this year? Come on now. We got to do it. We need to ask God, Lord, what do you want? Our job choice. Some of us are having issues with gender issue folks, and, and we just don't know what to do with it. We want to love, but we don't know exactly. Hey, we need to talk to God about it, or we could be dead wrong. Hey, we need to talk about, how about tithing? How about racial preferences and different things like that? Can I tell you, my grandmother was born in 1907. Her mom, my great-grandmother, was born in something like 18, I think she saw Lincoln. I think, that's, what, that's how old I think she was. And she said with no teeth in her mouth, at 85 years old, she said this, son, and I remember, I'm about a third grader. She said, son, don't you trust white people? And I said, why, grandma? She said, because you can't trust white people. How many of you know from her 1890 age group, I mean, from those years, she had a point in those days. You know, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> God is showing me, I hear what grandma is saying, but let's add to what grandma is saying. Don't trust white people. Don't trust black people. Don't trust red people. Don't trust red, white, uh, yellow people. You better trust in the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. I found since my grandmama talked to me that surely she had some truth, but there are knuckleheaded white people, knuckleheaded black people, knuckleheaded Latino people. Come on now, am I right? But grandma was trying to give me her best. But because of the way I was raised, can you imagine if I would have listened to grandma where I'd be now? But the thing is, I've got Jesus now. Some of us think we're right, but we're wrong. And the question is, how do we get right? Don't blame it on the way you were raised. We need to make sure that we're spending time with Jesus. Somebody say amen. I may have been raised a Democrat, but if God said be a Republican, I may have been raised a Republican, but if God says be in the, hey, let's do what God says. Let's listen to the voice of the Lord. What do I do? So here's a guy who had it dead wrong. <laughs> His name is Saul. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Dead wrong. Acts chapter 9. Would you turn to it right now? And while you're turning to Acts chapter 9, I'm going to tell you some things about Paul whose name was Saul at that time. Go to the next slide for me. By the way, I like this slide. It has nothing to do with my sermon. But I thought, Lord, please give me patience because if you give me strength, I'll need bail money too. Help me, Jesus. Somebody needed that today. I just couldn't throw it out. Go to the next slide. Saul, what was Saul's life like? Next one, please. What was Saul's life like 
before he went on that Damascus road. He was born in Tarsus, it says. His lineage, and remember, this is a setup. God already knows that this young man is going to write almost half of the New Testament. And he's going to do great things. But today, he hates Christians. Hates them to the point that I would call him a terrorist to Christians. Are you hearing me? It, talk, Paul, I'm sorry, Saul in those days, look at how trained he is. He's a um, Benjamite lineage. His parents were Pharisees, and guess what he wanted to be? His parents were Pharisees, so guess what he wanted to be? He thought like a Pharisee. He acted like a Pharisee. I don't mean no harm, but if somebody called me a Pharisee, I don't think that's a compliment. Does anybody here think that's a compliment? But he was a Pharisee. He spoke four languages, as you see listed there. He was a Roman citizen, so not only is he Jewish, he's got some rights. God is setting this boy up. At 13 years old, he went to one of the finest teachers and was trained for about five years under Gamaliel. He was, Saul became a lawyer. Wow. He was slated to be a one of the 71 on the Jewish Supreme Council called the Sanhedrin. This boy was a name among names. He was a religious extremist and terrorist. His whole desire in life was to make Jews disappear, make Christians disappear. He believed with all of his heart he was working for God. Wrong, but I think I'm right. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Acts chapter 1. Go to that next slide, please. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read some words to you, and let's see what we can pull out of this. Paul, with all his fervor, thought he was working for God. It makes me think, what am I doing that I think is for God, but it's really for Chappie, like taking on that church? I really thought that was God. I'm sure glad he closed that door. I didn't have to be out of God's will because my wife was listening to God. The superintendent was listening to God. But I want it what I want, and I want it now. There's some folks in here right now that think you're spot on, right where God wants you to be. But you're missing it by that much. How do we get on target? Well, let's see how he got on target. Let me read these words to you. Uh, Acts 9, 1 through 9. Meanwhile, say meanwhile. Because he had just killed Stephen, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. You can go to the next slide. I'll have the verses with you. Against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if, if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether male or female, men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, as he neared Damascus, a 120-mile trip, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus. Any question about who he's talking to? Again, God's getting his attention now. You wouldn't listen to me? You didn't ask me what, whether you were doing what I asked you to do. You just did everything you did. Do, you did everything you was doing thinking you were working for me. See, I believe with all that Hebrew memorization, with all those so-called daily devotion, if Saul would have just said, Lord, I want to serve you, speak to me. He wouldn't need a blinding light. He wouldn't need to walk on a road. But he was doing his own thing, thinking he was working for God. Some of us today, just doing our own thing, not listening at all to what the Lord might have to say about your work, your job, your marriage, your health. 
We just do it all and so-called the name of Jesus, but we're missing it by that much. Wrong, but I think I'm right. I am Jesus whom you persecute, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. How many of you know he's going to listen now? Now it's time to listen. All right. Then the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. I'd love to have a picture of what they look like. (laughs) Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything. Why? He really wanted to know, God, what is up with this? What is happening here? Listen, go to the next slide. If I do the things that I want to do, if I'm wrong but I think I'm right, hey, it could be based on the way I was raised or a bunch of other excuses, but here I want to challenge you. Spend time listening to God. Say that with me. Spend time listening to God before I use my credit card. Spend time listening to God before I take a promotion. Spend time listening to God. Do you know that some promotions will hurt you more than help you? It may be more money, but the headache is not worth it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Being supervisor is not all it's cracked up to be. Ask a supervisor. They'll tell you. Am I right? So we have to pray about everything and listen to God daily or we will be wrong in what we're doing. Again, I'm not speaking to any specific thing in your life, but I think God wants to say some things in my life and in your life. Spend time daily listening to God. Paul's obedience came, but it came after a blinding light. Well, do we need all that to do God's will? How many of you can honestly say, I prayed about something and God showed me? Lift up your hand. I prayed about, look around the room. Lift them up high. I prayed about something that God showed me. God has so much to say. But here's God in the morning. Hey, can I have a minute? Can I have a minute? Oh, hold it. Can I? Oh, man, he's gone now. Well, I'll be with them, but they're going to do their own thing. Our first part of our day should be, Lord, before this day goes forward, I want to spend time saying, Lord, what do you want to do to me today? Want me to take the day off? Because I'll do it. Come on now. I mean, I'm just saying I'm obedient now, Lord. You want me to take the day off? Want me to stay home? Lord, what do you want my attitude to be like when I'm driving? Lord, what am I going to do with that unsafe person on the job? And then we could go on. But there's something about spending time. Paul had all that wisdom, spoke four languages, had all the degrees, but missed God by that much. That's stupid. That's chappy sometimes. Can I tell you, my marriage is different. Because I listen to God. If you ask me on a scale from 1 to 10 where my marriage is, I would quickly tell you 9.7. And then God said, let me show you something. Wow, God. And he, in the last five years, 10 years, have been working stuff through me that I know my wife wished was there 20 years ago. But I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to God nor my bride. But when I started listening, the marriage got better. When I started listening, I'll climb under a car and pick up a water bottle because it's all about God. When you're not listening, you just think. I just think I'm following God. Like Saul, with all the fervor, but I'm this far off. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I don't want to miss. Wrong, but I think I'm right. Now, there's this other guy by the name of Ananias. I wrote down, next slide, please, right 
but God says I'm wrong. <laughs> Ananias, it says in Damascus, go to the next slide. In Damascus, there was a disciple by the name of Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. By the way, I think Ananias had this ongoing relationship. Ananias didn't need a blinding road. He just had a vision, a word from the Lord, because he was one of God's disciples, and that's what I want to be like. Uh, and he saw him in a vision. Yes, Lord, Ananias answered, verse 11. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on 777 Straight Street and ask for a man by the, uh, from Tarsus whose name is Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, just asking, Lord. I've heard many reports about this man and all he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here from here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, say, but the Lord said, can I ask you, do you think that God was mad with Ananias for asking the question? I don't think so at all. Ananias just saying, hey, I just read in the Jerusalem news. This guy's hurting people. I just want you to know, Lord, I've been up on the news. I just want to remind you to see if you're up on the news. And so now that I know you're up on the news, I'll go do whatever you tell me to do. I'm not doubting. I just want to make sure that's exactly what you're saying. Amen? Sometime when God tells us to do something, we just may have a question. And God's not mad about our questions. He's not mad about, he's not worried about our doubts, our fears. I can tell you and you could tell me of many times where you had questions from the Lord or even fear where God said, hey, just go do it. By the way, when God tells you to do something that, that you're fearful of, do you know that the fear starts to go away when you start doing what he says to do? Do you notice that? When you start, to, when you stand here and you think about, but, but what if I, if I die? As soon as you start walking, I mean, the first step, courage starts to hit you. Boldness starts to hit you because now you're in his will. But when you stand back and say, no, God, I, I, I can't do this. You, you need to be calling somebody else because he might kill. Hey, just step out and do it. Ananias asked the question. And off he goes. It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house. By the way, I don't see any skips. I don't see any pause. He went, then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placed his hands on Saul, and said, Brother Saul. Now, that's what you call faith. <laughs> Brother Saul, the Lord said. Brother Saul the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. So go to the next slide, please. Obeying God will cancel all fear. Again, you just heard me say, as you step out. I believe Ananias could hear because he spent constantly, he spent time with God. He didn't need to be blinded. He just was regularly listening to God. God, what do you want me to do? What do you need me to be? And he was there. That's the kind of disciple I want to be. Also, when God, Ananias was told, I want you to go to this address. I want you to look for, ask for a guy named Saul, and I want you to lay hands on him and restore his sight. Again, what did Ananias do? Everything he was instructed to do. It's okay to question God, but make sure you obey. When you're wrong, but you think you're right, you better make sure you're speaking to God. When you're right, but God says I'm wrong, don't walk to say, God, whatever your will is, let it be my will. Well, what if <laughs> when I'm right, but 
when I'm right, when I'm like Paul, I'm right, but it must be done with a price. Go to the next one. Right, but not without a price. Paul then says, okay, man, I can't believe for these many years I've had it all wrong. I'm going to now go do what God has called me to do. It says Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. By the way, he's willing to obey. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days they had gone by, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. The Jews that wanted to kill him were his old friends, am I right? One person asked me this. They said, how close do I want to get on this? They said, I'm a teacher, and I love kids with all my heart. But it is so hard, so hard to constantly deal with the parents who are attacking me, who are saying that I'm not here to do what God has called me to do. I give them an F or a C because they deserve an F or a C because I want to make them a man or a woman of God. I've been called, you're not a Christian. How could you give my cute kid a C? Chappie, what can I do? I want to obey God and be here, but I want the pain to go away. How would you have answered that? Raise your hand and tell me, what would you say about that? I want to do what God called me to do, but I don't want this painful part. What would you say to that? How would you, what would your counsel be? Well, lift up your hand so I can listen. All things are possible. Okay. Well, how would you answer? How would you answer, sir? Say it real loud. Tim said it's part of the journey. What, was that a good answer? Trust God. It's a part of the journey. Am I right? Would you guys agree with that? Yes, sir. Leave room for the judgment of God. Okay. Anybody else? How would you answer? Yes, ma'am. Okay, about building character, which is more important than the complaints. Yes, sir, what would you say? Life is more important than flesh. Life is more important than flesh, therefore, pursue life. All right, all right. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. God knows what he's doing, therefore. So my, yes, sir. Oh, by the way, could you hear what she said? I want to repeat. She said, God knows what he's doing. Walk by faith and keep doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. Rejoice. Stand up and say that, bro. Come on now. Stand up and say it. Listen to this. Rejoice in your persecution. Saints in this church, we have lived a cushy life. Somebody say, help us, Lord. There are people in Iraq and Afghanistan that they name the name of Jesus and nobody's going to buy their farm food. Their children are starving. They will kill them because of the fact that they know they're Christian. And we all of a sudden, bread goes up 20 cents. And we say, oh, no, I'm suffering for Jesus because I got to pay eight, two, five, seven dollars for bread. Oh, no. Come on now, Christians. It's going to cost us something to live for the Lord. I said, teacher, you have two choices. We can live for the Lord and let the persecution be under his name, or we can live out of his will and not. I find living out of his will is not worth it. Somebody say amen. 
So therefore, I don't go into ministry saying, bring it, devil, bring it. No, I'm not asking for it. It's going to come. But when it comes, I do it for Jesus. Amen. If somebody calls me a name, they call me the N-word. Everybody say, oh, no. That still ain't nothing to what Jesus paid. They ain't putting no nails in my hand. They ain't putting no nails in my feet. I can, t- I can handle it. Amen. I may punch you in the mouth, but I can handle it. Come on now. Somebody say preach. Somebody say preach. Listen, we're going to go through some hard things when we do what we got to do. Saul said, I'm leaving my mama's plan for me, my daddy's plan for me. I'm never going to be a part of the Sanhedrin. I got all this education, but we walk in God Christ today because of the 13, possible 14 of the 27 books he wrote. We walk in Christ because listen what he went through. It says here, he was, and this is from 2 Corinthians 11. You don't have to turn to it. But he was in prison more frequently. He was exposed to death again and again. Five times he received 39 lashes. Five times he received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten by rods. Once he was pelted by stone. Three times he was shipwrecked. Night and day he was in the open sea and in danger. In danger in the rivers. In danger by bandits. In danger by fellow Jews. In danger by the Gentiles. In danger in the city. In danger in the country. In danger at sea. I could keep reading. The brother went through it. But he did it for Jesus. Number one. If you're living wrong, live right. If you're living right, know that you're going to go through stuff. And when you go through stuff, don't whine about it. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Just go through it in the name of the Lord, just knowing we're going to go through difficult times. Some of us are going to go through more difficult times than others. But the key thing is we're going to go through together in God's name, in his will, and we're not going to be just doing our own thing. Would you bow your heads? And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. I want to pray for us. With your heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. One prisoner, and I think his name was Chuck Colson, who was a politician who went to jail. He said, I gave my heart to Christ because I was a murderer of certain things. And therefore, if Christ can forgive Saul, Paul, he can truly forgive me. If you're here right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you've done some horrible things, you're here right now because you think that your way is the right way. You're going to get to heaven on a different way than inviting Christ into your life. There is no other way. On this February the 18th day, you are wrong to believe you're going to go to heaven on your own merit. You are wrong to believe there is some other way. You are wrong to think that, well, my sin is not that bad. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, on this February the 18th day, would you just wave your hand at me? I just want to say a prayer for you. Don't even have to come down. I want to pray that this would be the day that you would give your heart to Christ. This would be the day of your new birthday, February the 18th. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just raise it, wave your hand. Just want to pray for you. Just want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone? If you're here right now and you would say, chaps, I have to be honest, I made a whole bunch of decisions without praying about him first. Just like Paul was wrong and missed God by that much, I've got some things I need to be praying about because I'm not sure I'm right on this. Just lift up your hand. God, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's some things I got to be praying for. 
Lord God, with my hand in the air and several others, we pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't be people who think we know the Bible so well that we know your perfect will. Lord, we've got to listen to you. We've got to know different situations in life. There are things you want to do different than the way we were raised. So God, help us to listen to your voice. We want to be like Ananias. Just show me where to go. Show me what to do. And I'm going to do it like yesterday because I want to do it. And then, Lord God, I pray right now for those who are going through difficult times. You're doing everything you know to do right. But like Paul, it's painful serving the Lord. If there was another way to do it without the struggle, you would do it, but there's no way. Lift up, if lift up your head if you would say, I'm going through some hard things right now, and I just need Jesus to help me through. I just need Jesus to help me through. Jesus, there's some five, six, seven hands around the room that are saying, God, there's some things I'm going through. I'm really not even sure if it's of the devil or if it's something that I just have to go through to be a light for you. Either way, God, if it's of the devil, I bind it in Jesus' name, and we say, take it away, God. But, Father, if this is part of being a disciple, then, Lord God, I pray that you will help me to endure. As Paul endured all that stuff and counted it all joy, Lord, help us to endure the stuff that we're going through. It's not easy. Many don't even understand all the pain that we're going through just living for you, God. But, Father, again, the thing that comforts us most is that we're not all alone. Father, we want to not be proven disobedient. We want to be proved obedient with that heavenly vision. We ask these things in Jesus' name. All, all God's people said, do not be proven disobedient. God has called you. He's called Saul to be Paul. He's called Ananias, but he's called me. He told King Agrippa, and these are his last years in life in Acts 26, and I hope you'll read it this week. He says, here's my life, and here's all that I've done, and I do not want to be disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's my prayer. That's your prayer. Make sure you're listening to God. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Pastor. Can we give him a round, please? Thank you. Uh, worship team, if you could come up, we're going to close with a song. Uh, and guys, we're going to uh, do Great I Am, I believe. Uh, can we just, just with that fresh in our mind, can we just declare that this morning? That as we walk in obedience, knowing one, that hardship is going to come. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But we can still move forward and get keep going because our God is great and he is going to take care of us. And as we walk in obedience to him, he's going to be obedient back. He's not just going to leave us out to dry. So again, Lord, uh, Chappie, Pastor Chappie, thank you so much. And I just encourage you guys, just declare that this morning, that, that we can take that step of obedience, maybe even that first step that we need to take because he is great and he is going to take care of us.
run and flee at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great i am the great Shake before you, the demons run and they